Hey everyone, welcome to Movie Marathon with Murph and Mike. It's early on a Sunday morning for us. Uh, we we couldn't stand the excitement. We had to get up and record a <laughs> podcast. Our, our diehard on a podcast run. We talk about 1991's Toy Soldiers. I had never seen this movie before, so I was really excited to have an excuse uh, to watch it. Not not that I not that I need much of an excuse to go watch a movie, but. <laughs> But Murph, I know you had seen this before. Did, did it live up to your expectations? It actually did. I uh, I liked this more than I thought I would. Um, it there's parts of it that, that didn't hold up as well, but overall, I thought it was still kind of a. I think and I, I, I will get to it, but I thought it was a fun movie, um, especially in the back half. So, did you recreate your childhood experience and uh, break into a house on Walton Way and watch it with a sixth grader? Uh, no, I did not. Yeah, so that was. Uh, I think I saw this when I was. I was probably like nine or 10. I saw it as a sleepover um, that, and this was preceded by, this is what we watched before we fell asleep. <laughs> Which you guys say nine or 10 feels a bit young. Yeah. I think we're going to talk about that too for, for kids and when, who this movie is for, but you know, I, I watched it after I um, ate a bunch of pizza and we played with the super Nintendo super scope. So that was, uh, <laughs> which was very, a very disappointing uh, uh, venture. So, the pizza or the super scope? <laughs> uh, it was Little Caesars pizza, so that wasn't too bad. But it was the, uh, the super scope <laughs> is definitely not. It was definitely one of those half baked. Hey, we made a cool peripheral for a game system uh, devices that just never, just never delivered. And I remember the games with it weren't that good. So no, I was very very disappointed. Yeah. In the super scope. And now the Little Caesars pizza was it as good as the time we ate it off the back of Jay's trunk in a random. Right. Rural Tennessee, yeah, like a random place in Tennessee. I don't think it was as satisfying as as when we did that, but it was a pretty good pizza. Okay, all right. I'm glad we kept that important business <laughs> taken care of at the, at the start of the podcast. Well, so you so you never saw this. I guess that's that's kind of. I actually think that's a that's a key distinction is is uh, um, seeing this as a kid. It probably made me a little more open to it and uh, interested in it. Um, I could also see watching this. With no context as an adult, you're like, yeah, okay, all right, don't don't get it completely, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm glad you at least you found some. I think you found some parts you liked. No, I did, and I also so I was I was not concerned. I was curious, having not seen it and not having that nostalgia for it, where I would land. But I think uh, Sean Astin being in it. And then I'm a big uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation fan, so Will 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 Wheaton being in it. Kind of did hit that nostalgia button, and I, and I guess uh, Lewis Gossett Jr. as well. Um, but you kind of see those people who you recognize from so many things uh, from your childhood. You kind of just automatically fall into that nostalgia. Oh, it's like fun to see them doing something else. <laughs> it's, uh, but it's an interesting movie, and it's like the pitch is almost all right. What if it was the Goonies, but really violent, and we kill some of the kids? <laughs> <laughs> um. That would be that would be a pretty good description of what it is. It, 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 it does feel weird that it is it is like ten years on. Oh, not ten years on. It's like eight years on from the Goonies, which is a little strange. I was uh I was going to ask you what is the what is the personal earring policy on the Starship Enterprise? <laughs> uh, how nerdy of an answer do you want? Because uh, I want you to go as as weird as and nerdy as you can go. Definitely supported if you are a Bajoran expressing your culture. I'm not sure how it falls if you're just a lowly 
uh, acting ensign promoted because you're a huge nerd who knows not a lot about starship design. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I don't think Will Wheaton was getting away with uh, the, the long dangly cross airing under Captain Picard's watch. I'll say that. No, I, I, I don't think so either. I think he he would probably not um, probably not not be cool with it. Also on uh, Star Trek, he he fortunately attempts a New York accent significantly less, or I guess New Jersey accent. Wait, on Star Trek? No, I'm saying he did. He does. Oh, not in this. Do that. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Oh, that great. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really bizarre. You got the really left the show. Yeah, they wouldn't let really him do the New weird, Jersey yeah. accent anymore. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Yeah, so he played well. So you, I guess. Before we hop into hop into that sorry i went super specific on like one <laughs> detail of this character um well so uh another fun thing about this i guess to tie back to our childhoods is this is directed by uh daniel petri jr who his other big movie <laughs> of the early 90s was uh in the army now and uh <laughs> i do have to think i i rate toy soldiers higher than uh um the poly short classic I have not seen In the Army Now. I Really? No, I, in a long time. Sorry. Okay. So I've seen In the Army Now several times. When it played on HBO a ton. <laughs> as, oh, yeah. As is not surprising. I will admit to, in this era, probably like 93, 94, 95, 96, uh, very much enjoying Pauly Shore movies. <laughs> like Saw Biodome <laughs> a bunch of times. So. <laughs> was... if, I, if in 1995... I had known Toy Soldiers was by the in the army now guy. I probably would have watched it much sooner. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, but I, I dropped would the agree ball. with you. This, this is this is much better now. This is Toy Soldiers is much better than In the Army Now. Significantly better. <laughs> Having not seen In the Army Now in multiple decades, I, I am guessing that to be the case. Uh, you are correct. You are correct. Well, how did this do at the box office? Because it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It was uh, uh like was it ten million? Fif- yeah, fifteen. Fifteen at the box office, ten million budget, and I mean, so not a complete disaster. Also, I mean, a ten million budget. It's not like they're ex- expecting. It's not like they spent fifty-five million on this, but I'm sure they were hoping it hit the zeitgeist right and be a big hit. Um, and it and was not, and it uh, did not. <laughs> But it did finish uh, slightly ahead of another 1991 movie at a uh, military boarding school. Uh, Child's Play 3, only 14.9 million. Oh, God. Yeah, I think of the boarding school movies. I think I prefer this over Child's Play 3, too. I mean, Child's Play 3 gets (laughs) that shit crazy with stuff. So whereas this, as much as the concept is out there, like it's a movie that has a has a through line start to finish of a plot where like it's consistently themed at least like it all it never goes off the rails true true that's that's true yeah uh, uh but uh to bring it back to this podcast uh this uh 1991 this finished behind uh hudson hawk oh finished behind ricochet well yeah it makes sense yeah um and then we got to go like way up, uh, but it's fun looking at the box office uh, for '91 just because it's just like so well, many movies of my childhood <laughs> that, um, that Hudson Hawk makes me fun to look at the list. I mean, Hudson Hawk was a massive flop, but it still made almost a hundred million dollars. I think, um, 
internationally. Uh, maybe I say yeah, internationally maybe it's seventeen million domestic, which I mean at that time I think was the much bigger deal. And that was sixty-five million. Jesus. All right, we gotta be yeah. careful. We'll just we'll start talking about the talk for an hour. <laughs> I do enjoy talking about the business side of it. Well, so uh, um, to your point, this and we're gonna talk more about it, but it's weird that this is a kid uh centric movie all the main characters and really all your focus point throughout the movie are, are children they're probably you know like 17 is the oldest maybe and uh yeah i mean it's, it's a hard r yeah. it's a very hard r movie yeah it's a little hard to get back into that mindset of the time because it just hollywood just made more r-rated movies at yeah, that time yeah. um, and, and if it was like a good action movie it seemed to be that it was guaranteed it was going to be an r movie like right, all, that, all of Arnold's stuff was an R unless it was like kindergarten cop. Yeah. And so it's in in hindsight, it's a little easy to nitpick and be like, well, why wasn't this a PG-13? And it's about like a bunch of kids at a school <laughs> and, and it would not. I don't know if if we want to go too deep into uh, kids at schools with guns um, and how that's aged. Probably not. Um, but it feels such an easy. We already talked about like the Goonies, but other movies you know, throughout the eighties, uh, similar to that with like just a group of group of kids, a group of friends, um, kinda on their own, playing more kinda adult situations. It seems like a perfect uh step up from that. And you go after the teen audience who would want to see, oh, like what would it be like a group of kids? Um it's like having this type of adventure. Doing a Die Hard, but keeping it PG thirteen instead of uh, lots of <laughs> lots of death. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. I mean, this has just some weird. I, I don't think making an R movie made this a better movie either. That's the to your point about at the time. Yeah, that was kind of what they were doing. It is a weird choice to to make it kid focused, but then dial out all of the ability to actually access the the audience you're, you're trying to connect with. Yeah. It's almost the, the it's flawed from the conception. Cause I, I if you do go PG 13 and take out some of the violence, you kind of take some of the teeth out of the movie and you maybe it's already casting it with a, a bunch of kids. It's already, I, I was before we started recording, I was saying I had a hard time fully suspending disbelief on this one in that I was not, I mean, they, they do. One of the kids does die and we'll go into that, but and it's your background. <laughs> but it, yeah, <laughs> You kind of know, well, they're not going to, Hollywood did not go and make a movie about, or I would have heard more about this. If they like execute a bunch of these kids during this hostage takeover, that just seems unlikely. That's where this movie is going. Uh, so it takes a little bit of the teeth out of it there already. And then if you already don't make it an R, I don't know, maybe you start pushing too deep into cheesy Disney villain territory where they're trying to be a bad guy, but you don't give them anything bad to do. I, I don't know. I don't know. So it's almost like the concept. Yeah. Doesn't work <laughs> that if, to be R rated or, or, you <laughs> I guess I'm saying they need to just start executing more kids. <laughs> they either really need to fucking <laughs> buy in on what they're doing or they need to back off. Um, well, you know, so to that point, I was I looked it up while you were you were talking about it. Well, I was rambling. Uh, yes, I was I was ignoring you. Um, no, you, you are right. It, it does feel like, well, if you're going to 
do it, go big. If you're not gonna, if you're gonna go R, go all the way R. Um, maybe have some some scenes of Kali in, in Colombia where he's he's killing other people. He's throwing more judges out of out of uh, helicopters. <laughs> um, have more fun with that. I uh, but no, I was looking it up to your point. I I was it was the closest thing I could think of, which was um, Lost Boys, is all about teenagers. And it's all about young young people who I mean they're vampires. It's obviously not about terrorists, but that's also R, and that's one of those where it's like, uh, well, that seems like a strange choice in hindsight now too, because you you want it's 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 geared towards teenagers, even though Kiefer yeah. Sutherland looks like he's like thirty in the movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's supposed to be like a seventeen year old vampire, and then um, for for I guess food for thought, the Goonie Goonies is PG thirteen. And that, yeah. that seems like that's like a, a couple of rungs up from probably where it should be for how it was geared too. So I don't know. Yeah, actually, yeah, that one I always find um, is a little scarier and a little it, it's actually the opposite of this. That I find is more threatening than I would think it needs to be for what you'd think the intended audience would be. But that may be why it hits so hard with that audience. Um, and I, that's why I was wondering if they're trying to do here. Be like, oh, that audience has aged and would now want R-rated stuff and trying to escalate with that aging audience. Um, but yeah, it's hard for... But I'm trying to remember, like, 1991, like... <laughs> I don't know. Were the kids... Were, like, a 15-year-old going to go to the movie theater and see an R-rated movie? Like, I, I just... I don't... <laughs> it seemed like that would be a difficult sell for most 15-year-olds to pull off. <laughs> Uh, I agree. I don't. I'm. I think I went to go see Con Air with my mom, which that sounds cool. Um, <laughs> in theaters, and that was R, I believe. If I, yeah, I also shocked. I also saw that in theater with a couple friends. Uh, forget exactly who, but people you definitely know. Um, but my mom took us, and she sat like ten rows behind us, and that us like, <laughs> so, like we kind of saw like, but that was nice. So. <laughs> but I got to talk to her. I was like, was, was there like a conversation? Did you just take us or did like you have to talk to everyone's parents? Or like, that's, yeah, I, that's like, I actually would like to know because because I feel like that's that is a good question. And we're going to touch on it probably later on with um, when we do Skyscraper. But like all all of the modern action movies, for the most part, they're either a hard R for a good reason or it's like it's like the rock. Yeah, trying to kind of walk that line of I got to keep it PG thirteen so it's accessible, but well, exactly what talking about for stuff. the for the box office. They're either going John Wick hard R, and that's the yeah. selling point, yeah. or they're keeping it PG thirteen so everyone can go see it. And I, yeah, and I, I think the the Rock has realized that he can make a lot of money kind of hanging out on that that PG thirteen fence mm-hmm. rather than and going all has. the way to hard R. And he has, yeah, good for him. Yeah, uh, I'm proud of that guy. What's also changed a lot too is all the premium cable and streaming things are in 1991 R rated like language violence. Like the theater was the only place you're going to see that. So like there was also a motivation to put that in movies because you kind of had a monopoly on that type of entertainment there. Whereas like now, like, Last night, uh, my wife and I were watching um, White Lotus. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, which yeah. which season are you on? Uh, season two. Uh, we're a little over halfway through. <laughs> okay, I need to. We need to start season two. We just finished one. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We did. We actually finished one Friday night and went into season <laughs> two. So, uh, uh, <laughs> and uh, but obviously that's giving you more not that much violence, but more language sexuality that you would have gotten had to go to the theater for ninety one. But then even uh on like like the Star Trek streaming stuff like um is way more violent than like Star Trek was. And they drop like f bombs every now and then, and it's yeah. why, like, what? And it's just like you're just so celebrating that we're on streaming and can do whatever we want, like, and so you, you get yeah. like, um, that stuff's so accessible that no one's going to the theater because you don't need to because something's R rated that it's going to have material you couldn't get at home, kind of thing. But ninety one, uh, well, and I mean, <laughs> we also just came off. I mean, if you think about '91, you come off this huge action. I mean, you you came basically came off of what what the decade that established the genre, and you end the decade with, let's see, you've got Lethal Weapons one and two, Predator, Die Hard series kicks off. Um, you've got you've had a bunch of well, Chuck Norris doesn't Chuck Norris stuff is just violent, but it's not like graphic. Um, yeah, at this point, would Norris have been pivoting away from the violence a bit? I'm trying to remember where he. We we were talking about that with um, maybe not quite yet. This is getting... an action. No, no, I think this is when he starts to pivot away. But he starts. But RoboCop, Total Recall was the year before this. RoboCop, Jesus. <laughs> and I think you're right. It's just everything. Everything that was available like that was R. Yeah. And and well, anyway, so th- this makes some. This does make some a weird choice of. I show, I will call it weird, uh, unnecessary nudity of Sean Astin, <laughs> who's supposed to be underage in this, which is weird. Weird they did that. Yeah, and the, it, it, and I think your joke was that he, uh, he was contractually obligating them to shoot him naked, and I do feel <laughs> like you're probably right. Like he got in really good shape for this, like you because all er, er, his entire wardrobe in this is just tank tops. It's like yeah. mus- <laughs> muscle tees, tank tops, and sweatpants. <laughs> So he's wearing shit that you could pretty much get away with today, but he looks like somebody you would see at the gym who's like, I'm not in great shape, but I'm in good enough shape that I, I, I want to get credit for it. And I got to, I got to like, <laughs> you gotta stuff that. it's going to highlight yeah. that. <laughs> Which I watching this, uh, and I, I, don't, I don't think this is inaccurate, especially for the time, but also um, I remember when I went to college, like freshman year in particular, um, there being a lot of like shirtless dudes walking around the oh, yeah. room. Um, there, there's just a ton of like shirtless teenagers or teenagers in their underwear um, in this movie. But all it made me think about was I need to get cast in a movie. And they're like, all right, we film in three months and you have to be shirtless the whole time. So get in shape. Yeah, and be like, oh, fuck, okay, well, I'm, like, not drinking, I'm cutting out carbs, and I'm working out every day, and I'm gonna look fucking awesome for this, and, like, I don't care what the role is, I can be on screen for five seconds, but that shit is forever. <laughs> that That is the um the one thing that, that um made me laugh, is there there's no doughy kids at this school. No, yeah, Everybody's, all, uh, like, in incredible shape. They um, could all, like... They could all be models. Like, That's exactly what I was going to say. Was I'm trying to think. Of, I can't remember what the character's name is, but one of their friends who, uh, he I can't remember what his name is, but he's the character who can speak, um, Spanish. Oh yeah, he's like, he's and like and he he looks kid. like he is a he's a fucking model. Like like yeah, and he's doing the same thing Sean Astin is, but he's probably pulling it off better. Where he's got um, 
he's only wearing like muscle tees and tank tops the whole time and all that too. So I'm like, I don't know. I, I that's that that stuff cracked me up. Yeah, yeah. And uh there one friend like Hank, like he's sure there's one point like massive pecs. Like the guy's like jacked. Oh yeah, Hank Hank is also <laughs> Hank looks like he came off the set of American Gladiator to film this. Yeah. Uh yeah, so it was uh Ricardo, which that's that's a hilarious um name for this. Um R- Ricardo is the character who who's ripped. If you check out the letterbox on this, I don't know why, but the the banner for it has a black and white photo of like most of the characters. Two of them are definitely wearing attire that, to show off their their arms. <laughs> so. Yeah, and it, it, it I know there's a poster that's like that, and it looks like so dramatic and serious, which is not like this movie is a more playful, and I think that that's kind of some of the weird tone that I don't think they necessarily could quite because it's like a group of kids like rebelling against authority and adults, and so but. Because the stakes are so high, it it just feels a little strange. You can't quite tell what where you're supposed to be at emotionally in some of it. And you're I think some to... of it is Sean Astin of just what you've kind of seen him in before. Um, I yeah. don't know if I fully buy him as the action badass. I I, I don't, and and not maybe his fault, but. I knew him obviously going into this from Goonies and that was really all I had context for where he plays an asthma ridden kid that, that, you know, kind of stumbles into adventure <laughs> and then he, and then he plays, uh, I'm gonna, I'm never gonna, I, I don't like Lord of the Rings movies, so I'm going to get it wrong, but what's his character is he's not Frodo. He's no, that's Elijah. Wood. He's, he's, he's Sam. He's Sam. So he plays, he plays Sam wise Gamgee. <laughs> yep. That guy. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just, uh, it's funny to, I, I've never like vectored him in as an action guy. And then as an adult in Stranger Things, and I think it was season two, yeah, <clears throat> he plays kind of a a doughy goofball semi stepdad type guy. So yeah, it's, it's just, just... <laughs> it, it, it's just, I think like that's more his wheelhouse than, than trying to be an action star. Yeah. Like I, physically he's capable in this movie of doing it all. And that's fine. I think it is just the, your association with him. You can't quite get past like, oh, it's Sean Astin. Like, yeah, I think it's like you are watching. Like, oh, that's Sean Astin. I'm not watching. I'm not watching characters in this. I'm not watching uh, Billy, uh, whatever his last name is, <laughs> uh, Billy Tepper. I'm watching Sean Astin. It does feel like it's just him. So, all right, I have more thoughts on that character. Right, I feel we're. Uh, we oh, I've, I've stayed us way off course. You do a do a at least a, a breakdown of uh, in case anyone hasn't seen this movie. Uh, hit it. Um, I will. F- <laughs> All right. Yeah, we sh- I should probably do the synopsis and I have a question for you. Uh, <laughs> so the premise of this is this uh, Colombian drug son of a Colombian like drug kingpin. His dad gets extradited by the U.S. and at the start of the movie, he's taken over a Colombian, Colombian court and has a judge and jury hostage, um, just to find out his dad's already been extradited and the Colombian government like he can take all the hostages he wants. The Colombian government can't give him his dad back. Like he's already gone to the U.S. <laughs> like tough shit. Uh, so. Well, then we jump right to this school. Um, and so it's a group of friends, and Sean Astin's the main character, Will Wheaton's his roommate. 
And Sean Astin's a, a bit of a troublemaker. He's been like kicked out of three schools already. Um, and Lewis Gossett Jr. is the dean of the school. And obviously the he was kind of in charge of like discipline and um, I don't know, mentoring the kids or I don't know. And, and he does a good job playing the tough, but he cares about the kids kind of character where you, you buy <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to be hard on you, but it's because like, cause I care so much about you uh, kind of thing. So, so Sean Aston gets in trouble uh, a lot. So you get, yeah. So you get a lot of interaction, but then um, you find out the son of a U.S. judge who is overseeing the trial of this Colombian drug kingpin. They realize he's in danger that the cartel may come try to kidnap him to hold him hostage because apparently that's their mo. Uh, just taking yeah, hostages yeah. and making demands. <laughs> yeah, right, keep going. Uh, so they take him and Sorry. put him to to witness witness protection, and so he's gone. So in keeping with, uh, so the bad guy's named Callie, and in keeping with his inability to plan things out in a in a timely manner. He comes and takes the school over looking for this one kid who's already gone. Similar to how in the beginning he takes all these people hostage and his dad's already gone. It's just very funny, like consistent through line theme that like he can't do this right. Yeah, he is not good. He, I, I would argue Kali uh, is bad at his job. But so they take the school hostage and uh, there's some pretty good stuff of um like doing the head count every hour and things so they really set up roadblocks and obstacles for how late the kids are going to try to fight back against this um but then they figure out how to try to get information to the outside kind of put uh cause problems for the terrorists and their plans uh they spit in some sandwiches that they bring the terrorists <laughs> uh really sean sean Aston really showing what a bad boy he is there <laughs> Would you call this the great escape of like a kid's kids great escape? A little bit. It is. It is. You, you have a lot of more personalities in this and except it's oh it's uh Sean Aston has like almost all the attributes of like Garner and uh McQueen. Yeah, like he's like five of those characters rolled into one. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, so but the terrorists are taking the school and and man, now see, I feel like I'm lost in the weeds here because there's this bizarre subplot where Will Wheaton's character, his dad is the head of the New Jersey mafia. And and through back channels, they he reaches out to like this Colombian drug cartel and tells them, like, hey, like, we know each other. I want you to let my son go. But that sets off this whole chain of events where the Callie's father ends up dying in prison so now there's nothing for him to like go on and so the army has to there's like well shit he's got nothing now so he might just start killing people so they have to raid and the kids have to time up their plan to sync with the army raids to fight back in it so it all leads me to my question for you Murph that's why I, I can't wait I can't wait is this really a diehard ripoff I it has some very clear diehard moments i don't actually think it is um i think to your point it's it's got too many characters in the, the i don't know that that's what i come back to was i andrew uh devoff uh, who we saw actually in our last movie in um yeah. 
uh, he was a, a henchman in Air, Air Force One. He plays Kali. He's just not like a Hans Gruber interesting. He's just a bad guy. Like, And then he's not even that good at being a bad guy because they show him with two plans that fail. And all it was, right. was like that, he, just, he needed some just real basic information, and he probably would have never done this. That's what's hilarious. They're trying to establish him as such like a mm. bad guy and a threat, but the two things he plans fail, and so it's just miserably like, too. It's like, I get, I get, he <clears> might <throat> still kill these kids. So I'm worried about them, but I don't think it's so weird to make your your villain so ineffective. Uh, yeah, I didn't like. Uh, they're effective only for the fact they have guns. But besides that, it's all it's all focused on him scrambling to like undo all the stuff he fucked up. <laughs> it's, just <laughs> strange, it's just a strange choice. So I, I don't I actually don't think it is. Now that being said, we do have characters crawling through air vents. That's a very important yes. criteria of the entire movie. Um and, and you have some proxies for the like you said it, uh Will Wheaton is is he supposed to be kind of the Ellis proxy to show that how serious this is? Um, not really. Uh, but and then and then Lewis Gossett Jr. is kind of the Carl. Uh, what's his name? Um, Reginald uh, Reginald Bell Johnson. Yeah. Uh, of the the guy on the outside who's the friendly, even though maybe everybody else around him doesn't have have the hostages' best interest at heart, or or, or he's the one kind of he's the one kind of saying he's like no, like we can trust him. <laughs> we got to give him. We got to give him a chance. Exactly. And yeah. Like, and that, that was the one thing that made me laugh was they're like, there's a 15 year old who has a really horrible history of, of disregarding authority. <laughs> what do we do? We should trust him. We should yeah. trust him. He's going to save about a hundred kids from, from being shot. It's like, all right, that's a, that's a stretch. Uh, and they set Sean Astin up. Um, what's his character's name? Billy, Billy Tepper. Billy Tepper. Um, as, as a bit of like, the wise cracking sarcastic John McClane yeah, true character. True. It's just a little weird out of a teenager. And I obviously he doesn't have like <laughs> the divorced estranged uh wife and family like that, but he obviously has some issues with his parents. But we don't really get any backstory on that. And so like we find out his dad like owns the world's like third largest construction company <laughs> which apparently yes. is so apparently the school has files on all these kids and apparently that's one of the pieces of information in the file dad owns world's third largest construction company yeah i did like that that they're, they're going through and they're like your father's a senator your father's in the mafia your yeah it's a construction construction guy it's like there's like a linkedin post for everybody's uh personal records <laughs> at the school uh, so I, I just wish we had gotten something of what sean astin's rebelling against like what like, they, kind, they kind of set it up that they, they they imply his parents are divorced and so i think they're trying to just say uh divorce fucks kids up but like, and okay. like, yeah and like neither obviously he doesn't live with either of them so yeah he's maybe just angry like neither parent wants him and just keep shipping him off to boarding school schools or that, something that's kind of the i think they're trying to message that so uh, I'll, I'll i'll buy that that's their that's their angle and i i almost thought either with uh john Austin's character or will wheaton's character with because the um Kali the bad guy is it Kali Kali? I'm I'm not... <laughs> I'm gonna call him Kali. I, okay. I, I think it, I think you hear it both ways. Okay. Uh, 
they kind of have a little back and forth. And I thought with one of them, there's going to be something because Kelly's trying to like save his dad. And it feels like in the fact that they make him like ineffective, it feels like there was a real opportunity there of like, oh, I can never live up to like, I'm doing this to impress my dad. I can never live up to like his standards. And it felt there was something there with either of those characters of like having like father issues and maybe like connecting or like, doing that, like I, that there, there was a good opportunity for them to do it and they fail. And they, I was I'm curious if that what could have been in like the script or like a deleted scene that maybe just didn't fully work or didn't add anything or, or like something. But it felt like there was something there that I, I kind of thought would have helped the movie of. And, and maybe it also helped explain like why maybe he gets like a soft spot for one of these kids. Um, yeah, I think I think that's a good point. And it, it would have been an opportunity to. <clears throat> maybe instead of having the weird setup, which we're going to talk about the importance of computer <laughs> computer chips in this later. Yeah. Uh, but I think that would have been a better, a better ending was that they somehow have connected over trying to win over their parents or what, what, to your point, like there's, there's some sort of personal uh, two or different sides of the same coin type of type of thing. Yeah, and, exactly. and they, and they really kind of squander that. Um it, it's weird like like they keep having these opportunities in the movie to make this a deeper more interesting movie and they just they skip them every time yeah, yeah like give the villain a, a personal motivation and backstory a little more and get learn more about one of these kids but like the kids can try to use it against them i think i, I don't know i just I, I would argue this movie has spoiled rich kids both on the good guys and the bad guys <laughs> side and that is some of the problem of the movie so it's sean Aston's character it's like okay i get yeah, like you have all these issues but it's also like i'm rooting for a spoiled rich teenager <laughs> with to be like, to be with, a dick to people with like parent issues like I, I i have sympathy for him um but it's it's <laughs> but i don't know i guess john mcclain's uh <laughs> like semi-divorced alcoholic cop that's not the most uh, not <laughs> the most really running sympathetic, on Bruce, uh... really running on Bruce Willis's charm there so yeah he's well you are you are I guess you are you're right um at least there's something likable about McLean and what he's trying to do as a person is he's being earnest in, about his own life here it's like they just show you Sean Astin is smart, but he's kind of a shithead. And that never really changes. There's no arc. It's just, yeah. <laughs> other than he kind of becomes a leader by the end of it. But besides that, it's like, well, he becomes a leader by kind of being a piece of shit. <laughs> so it's just, it's, it's interesting. I, I don't know. I don't, the characters could have been fleshed out better. I mean, I'm talking about a radar movie from 1991 about kids being shot. I don't know why I'm. Uh, so, that's my criticism, but yeah. So, uh, when you were eight, nine years old watching this, and uh, th so the opening with the kids to establish their bad. Um, well, actually, first. <laughs> oh, I know you're going with this. Uh -oh. First, they they uh, they spray paint <laughs> this school sign, but uh, which is very funny because it feels almost like Disney level PG level badness because yeah. they they spray paint across the side and they 
they call themselves like the rejects and like they spray paint like instead of it's school's name starts with an r and they write it's uh i think it's the saint regis school or something like that and so they replace regis with like rejects yeah it's like man that that could be like a disney movie like what badass kids these are with spray painting rejects on the school sign uh uh, but then a a little more uh troublemaking of uh sean astin has somehow Gun his hands on large quantities of vodka. <laughs> it's... Oh, they 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 talk about it. They talk about it that he he bought it off of the sheriff's uh, sheriff's uncle or uncle or something. Yeah, yeah or something. Yeah. The liquor store. Uh, but but he had to buy. Apparently, he makes like ten or twelve of these. Uh, oh yeah, a lot mouthwash vodka thing. So he's come up with a, a formula for a drink. That look and tastes like mouthwash, but is really like a vodka-based like cocktail. Yeah. Uh, so that they can store it in like mouthwash bottles in their rooms and not get in trouble for it, um, which immediately does not work at all. Uh, but then, but so he takes a couple of these, grabs a bunch of friends, they sneak down to this basement, and he taps into the phone lines and. Uh, this is where I'm curious. What what was your uh, reaction as an eight or nine year old to? <laughs> um. Oh, you mean like um, them calling a nine hundred line for free to, uh, to Jennifer? <laughs> I don't know. I guess call. I thought that was pretty cool, but then, um, I guess the argument now is, as an eight year old, you're like, oh, it's like such a big deal, um, because you just couldn't get that stuff. And now with the internet, the internet's ruined people because you can just readily find right. <laughs> Stuff that's 150 times worse or more more provocative <laughs> yeah. than that, and it's on YouTube, and you can see it. You don't have to listen; you can just see it. Right. So, um, yeah, I remember that that being like a big deal. I think I told you in in middle school, um, uh, the cafeteria had a payphone outside of the, the, <laughs> the uh, on the wall outside of the the entrance, and so when we would line up in in, in the uh, afternoon to go to lunch. Um, we'd have to line up in front of the payphone, and there was always a couple of kids who would always call 900 numbers because you'd see them on these late night like commercials. Like you have to watch like USA at one in the morning. You would see like a yeah. sex line <laughs> uh, dialing thing. So somebody would call it, and for whatever reason, you didn't have to put change. As I remember, and I I, I maybe just totally making this up, but I remember you didn't have to put change into the phone. You could almost you could dial a 900 number like from the payphone and it didn't it didn't uh require <laughs> putting a quarter in and so i don't know why but i just remember like you could call and so people would always be like oh all right they call it and they start yeah. listening to it <laughs> and they would hang it up immediately because they're worried a teacher would find out but i'm like yeah. <laughs> in hindsight i'm like who the fuck's gonna find out like 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 what are they gonna do trace it back like i don't yeah. know it, 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 when you're like eight or nine your your, your kid brain makes you think like People know and are a lot more capable or smarter than, than maybe the world actually is, but you're, yeah. <laughs> you're giving them too much credit. So, so I I remember middle school something very similar of like of kids calling those like nine hundred six nine phone numbers, and I think because you could call and you just get like a like a rec- like the recording before you actually like went in to yeah you were, stuff. We, nobody ever talked to anybody on those like no so kids I, were ever talking to I, I think what you're talking about i think like you could call and get like the for this like put in this but it'd still be like the sultry sexy voice oh yeah it was and just like the daring of calling one of those um which now now thinking about it's really depressing me 
in because I remember like <laughs> I don't know like Comedy Central at like midnight seeing commercials for those as a teenager. And oh, now yeah. all I can think about is like how depressed some like thirty five year olds. Oh yeah, calling that must have sucked to call at to like one in the morning to be calling, being like being that lonely of. I am going to call this 900 <laughs> sex line number. And, um, and I, I mean, I guess, I guess now we have porn. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, <laughs> do you think like only fans, there wasn't porn back then, but yeah, <laughs> well, you just couldn't get it. Like if, if you were a kid, but it wasn't so readily available. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying kids should see it, but I'm just like, if you're a teenage boy, that's like one of your objectives in life at that age. It's just like, I got to, see a naked woman or a naked person like i just gotta i gotta do it right yeah and and there are all these like roadblocks in front yeah. of it and it, so it was like a rite of passage in some ways of like how you do it and it took it took the collective work of many 12 year olds to accomplish <laughs> <laughs> these things oh I, uh, I yeah i remember going to a kid's house and um i think it was eighth grade and uh um we played twisted metal 2 on playstation and then he showed me his dad's hidden hidden Playboy collection, and that which was like a huge a, deal. Which there's and, a hidden Playboy later in this movie, and uh, there is. Uh, I want to say it was like the Tyra Banks issue, <laughs> um, and uh, so it was like this big deal. And like, but you had to like go check it out before somebody caught you, um, uh, like checking that stuff out. And so that was the, <laughs> that was like my memory of it. I um, remember a big deal. Uh, end of middle school start of high school uh william our friend william he had a jenny mccarthy calendar <laughs> uh, so it was not it wasn't no nudity but was like bra panties kind of style of <laughs> and i i remember going to his house and being very blown away <laughs> by <laughs> it's uh, yeah because your your hormones are raging and, and just, you're just not just flipping through it over and over like <laughs> this is incredible um yeah i uh i'm uh not proud of how i was at that age, no, I no but i don't think but, it was a uh it was so very relatable to see I, these kids are i don't know 91 probably still at that age oh yeah uh because all you have access so hard to access any of it probably still hilarious to them to be calling um the 900 number but they are kind of pushing borderline we're like they should be trying to get laid, like yes. at their age, a but little more than just. But a, a boys' boarding school, so I yeah. Can so see. they probably, you know, take what you can get. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, the internet's. I don't want to say ruined people, but it's definitely much easier to access. Uh. uh yeah. <laughs> that stuff now is, you know. So I will tell you. Here's a fun aside. I was actually curious. Um. Because you're talking about them being teenagers, I was like, how old was Sean Astin when he made this? And so he was probably Sean Astin's only 51. And so it makes me laugh is he got married in 1992, the year after this made. Oh my God. If you, wanna, if you wanna pick like a damn, so that means he got married in like let's see, he was born in 71. Okay, so he he's just a couple years older than us. So he got married at like 21 or something like that. Okay. So yeah, which Okay. But it's very funny to think of this uh this character <laughs> as being married a year later. Yeah, like that that feels that feels a little strange. Uh but 
Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, um, I do enjoy what they're trying to do with Billy. It does feel, I think I told you this, it feels a bit cliche at, at points. The bad boy thing just kind of like, okay, I got it. Like they're, they're bad. They're bad, uh, boarding school kids. Um, got it. And then, uh, Lou Gossett Jr. seems to be the kindest, most forgiving man in the world. Uh, as the headmaster <laughs> yeah. for the school, because he catch he keeps catching Billy doing stuff, but he never he's never mad. He's like frustrated. And I guess he's trying to be a, a bigger person about this the stuff with Ooh. um, you know, okay, he's been kicked out of three schools. I got to do the right exactly. thing by trying to mentor him and not and not punish him. But um, I feel like Billy does enough stuff that he probably should be kicked out. <laughs> So. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that too. Of I, I feel the selling alcohol in the dorms. That's a bad one. Yeah. Is that's just gonna be pretty hard to defend if that gets back to other parents. Yes. Like you caught this kid like who has done multiple other things, like selling and like distributing liquor, like that, that yeah. seems like one that you're gonna kind of you're kind of really putting yourself on the line there. Uh, a little bit, and I, I it just seems um, I like Lou Gossett Jr. in this. I just think it's it is like a weird choice of just how patient and how like oh that rascal like how how forgiving he is the whole time yeah. in this. It's just uh, a little too I, much. But like you brought, I did really appreciate him being like I like I don't think kicking you out is the answer. Um, because I see like this is just a pattern of you do this stuff, you get kicked out. I'm yeah. sure you get attention from your parents because you get kicked out and then you get shipped off to another school. And like, we need to, we need to try to give you a solid, like a foundation and like have you have a shot at becoming a decent person, not just look at these schools. And it turns out all he needed to, uh, to be, be a leader was to have one of his friends <laughs> get murdered and a, and a bunch of terrorists take over his school. <laughs> so, so in my notes, I had, I, I'm secretly hoping this is all an elaborate plan by Lou Gossett Jr. to inspire Sean Astin to become a leader. <laughs> Having the uh, terrorists come and take over. and <laughs> That would be fantastic if that's just, it's all subterfuge and it's like Will Wheaton's actually still alive. It's just squid. Yeah, he just had like a squib vest on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. That'd be pretty good. I like that. Yeah. So you, you touched on, on how funny it would be if, if uh, Gossett Jr. just this is all just a ruse to to bring Billy out. I will say, <laughs> um, I, I told you this. I didn't love the first half of the movie where it's just set up and it's just exposition around. Um, well, I, I, I'll put this way: I did love the action sequence when uh, Kali is is abducting the judge. I, I did want to <laughs> touch on that. I did, I just okay. got to touch on that one. So I think he's I think he's supposed to be. I'm not sure if they say he's in Colombia or if he's just supposed to be some Latin country. And he's taken over the court to get again to your point before his father's extradited, basically hold the country or these hostages that are these judges that that sentence his father, uh, hold them hostage so that the government will have to release his father. And uh he fails. And so he escapes via helicopter, which is kind of a Hans Gruber move, uh, if you think about it. <laughs> and um uh and he takes the hostages with him, and he takes one judge, and then the movie, I don't know why, it's just such a weird cut. He gets up and then they go from being at like like top of building level 
to all of a sudden he's like 30,000 feet in the air <laughs> and he kicks this judge out of the helicopter, <laughs> but you don't see him die. It's just this slow fade out of this, this judge tumbling through the air <laughs> into this scholarly music of, of um all the, <laughs> yeah. all the main characters running and doing like a, a, a PE that day. And it's just such a, I, I did want to hit that. It's such a bizarre choice and weird cut of like, you're watching a man die as it tumbles into this um, scholarly, sort of stately-looking boarding school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I thought that was a great. I I got to give whoever their editor was. I got to give that guy uh, <laughs> ten out of ten on 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 doing that. But um, uh, Michael Kahn. I feel like we've seen that name before. Okay, so he also okay. Well, I guess I should shut up because that guy was also the editor for Jurassic Park, Catch Me If You Can, Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark, The Fablemans. Okay, he's done every single Spielberg movie. <laughs> yep, he, okay, I just keep going. Yep, he did The Color Purple. He did Empire of the Sun. Of the Sun. He did do Prince of Persia. He did Tomb Raider. Good God, this guy has touched every big movie <laughs> So okay, he's, so he's doing all right for himself. He's probably, <laughs> uh, yeah. What I'm thinking, I'm realizing is he's probably working with the best he's got in, in terms of trying to make this this uh, editing work. Yeah, that that's so. My what they gave him to do. My apologies, Mr. Khan. So, yep, you're doing the Lord's work with this movie. Um, <laughs> but I did, I did really like the second half of once the terrorists have taken over, and some of the character stuff was really fun. Um, and I thought. It does a pretty good job building tension. Uh, one of Kali's rules is the kids have to be, and this is a, I laugh every time they show, they, they talk about this rule, but because I'm like, you're not going to get 100 kids to do this shit, but they make them on the, on the hour, every hour, go into the the cafeteria. And then um, the uh, actor, I can't remember what his character's name is, uh, we, which we need to talk more about what his character choices are. Uh, Michael Champion, he plays like the sidekick <laughs> of, of Kali. And they make them count every kid to make sure that they've not escaped or that they're accounted for. And they know basically that they're, they're keeping tabs on their hostages because that's going to be the only thing stopping um, the military from coming in. And uh, there's one scene where, uh, well, it's like a montage of the kids basically collecting intel. And they've decided that uh, they have to get this intel to the uh, to the u.s military who is who's run by none other than arlie ermy <laughs> yeah. um and uh, uh they have an encampment uh it seems like it's a few miles outside of the school and so it's it's a fun and really pretty pretty good tension builder of um right at the start of the hour after they've done the counts uh, billy escapes and <clears throat> he basically has to make it across the campus and out of the perimeter without getting caught by the guards, the the, the terrorists that are on the roof um, overlooking. So they do all these distractions and he gets out. And I thought I just enjoyed all of that because it, 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 it actually built some stakes. And, you know, there's a ticking clock that if he doesn't get back in the hour, um, in, you know, in theory, they're going to kill a hostage. And you also know what his mission is, is to make sure that the military have the right information so that if they come in to save them you know, that they're not going to, they're not going to screw it up or they're not going to, somebody else is not going to get shot. So I think all of that worked really well. And that, that was kind of, to me, where the, the second half of the movie escalates um, and makes this a lot more fun because you feel like you actually have stakes now and, and 
and you you see the characters putting themselves at risk. I think everything up to uh, up to this point with the boarding school stuff just just drags. I'm like, okay, it, like they're all just shitty kids, and you kind of it's kind of it's kind of the first half is almost like cliche after cliche. Yeah, and and I don't I don't know like this far removed from it. I mean, it feels like at that time like these boarding school cliche things already existed. Like it would have played the same way of just the, the bad kid, like getting alcohol, like sneaking out, like it's just nothing he's doing. And I mean, it's, I get that kind of works of like, we don't want to make him too creative of like a rapscallion kid. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Cause that's what it's like realistic and this is what kids do they don't have like fresh ideas it's the same things kids do over and over um but it's like all concept you heard of but again going back to who is this for if you were like 10 in 1991 you probably haven't seen these ideas a bunch of times so it probably plays just fine because it's your introduction to some of these concepts uh whereas now as an adult it's like okay yeah the kid's bad and he hits like X, Y, Z and he's bad because his parents have shipped him off and don't want him. We've seen that a million times. We've seen the teacher who's going to try to show him tough love. Um, we've seen that c- cliche a million times. And so it just hits all these notes that you've kind of just. It feels it's just like checking it just out play, boxes. It just played out. The yeah. Next, yeah. It does feel like 45 minutes of this or like here's a checklist of things we have to establish before we can do anything else in this movie. And it and does yeah, feels unique or creative. No, to these yeah. Um, well, do you want to talk about microchips? <laughs> 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 and the because they are, a, I would say, microchips are a character in this movie. Um, and if they're not, they're a, they're an extremely important part of the overall plot. <laughs> um, whether that's actually a payoff, I don't know. Yeah, um, <laughs> I love Gino on. How little of a payoff it is. It's uh it's it was disappointing. It was very disappointing. They really build it up and spend a lot of time on it. Um so it also okay, so they line the school with explosives. And I maybe I didn't pay enough attention. Uh to your in your notes you had it, it was C three, not C four. Yeah, they show him plugging like a uh, a detonator into a, a block of uh, I assume it's plastic explosives and it's just a C3. And I'm like, well, I didn't, I'm, I, I'm sure there, there's a, I'm sure C3 is a real explosive, but um, uh, it just made me laugh that it wasn't, it feel like it was knocked off, uh, knock off C4. Like they couldn't even get C4 for the, for the yeah. movie. Um, now, now, now I kind of want to look up C3. I, I just did. Uh, it's called composition C3 and it is real. Um, but it's weird that it's C it's C three because I feel like at this time in movies, another cliche was bombs were always C four. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. So yeah, that that did make me laugh. Go ahead. So so okay. Sorry. Wow. So I'm explosives. looking this up. There's like C C two C three C four C five C six, and I guess it's all a different different like it's a different combination of of chemicals chemicals and elements. So I guess. If you really dug deep into this, it would probably have some kind of meaning. I'd be very curious if that, like, <laughs> it actually makes sense of like, oh, of course you'd use C3 when you're bringing bombs around a school for like these reasons. Yeah. I, uh, I, 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 
I, it made me laugh. It made me laugh. And well, yeah. to your point, there is some other logic stuff that might be doesn't fully work here with the bombs. So the bombs <laughs> wired all around the school with plastic explosives. So basically, and then there's a kill switch on on Kali's arm. It's like and, duct tape to his arm. Yeah, I was like, that's gonna hurt like, like yeah, constantly. It was... It's like, did you shave your arms or because that's gonna that's gonna rip everything out when that <laughs> when that thing comes off. And so he never takes it off. And uh, which this will also go back into our timeline of this movie could be a two week uh, story or it could be a two day. It's never clear (laughs) how much time has elapsed. Um, But uh, Kali never takes it off. And the theory is it looks like it's just like a garage door. opener, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And he can just press the button at any time and it'll detonate the entire school. Basically, it's a it also seems like there's not like a panel you have to open or anything. It really seems to be really easy to like bump that into something and, and set it up. And yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that button. There's no there's no protection around that button. Like he could be taking a dump and he he turns to get some toilet paper the wrong way and he and he bangs his arm on something and <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. kill everybody. Like I, don't know, I have the car keys in my pocket. Actually, then they hit the, the panic button sometimes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well. So I had some logic issues with, well, I, I don't, we'll get to the ending, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had some logic issues with the explosives, but um, they set up this character, uh, Derek, who's this younger kid whose room they get thrown into. And I guess he's supposed to be like the really smart kid because he's got this radio controlled <laughs> airplane and uh, um, they somehow, uh, I'm trying to think of how they figure all this. I, I don't remember how they figured all the out, all this out as to know what's in there, but the terrorists have this radio controlled device on their arm to detonate the bomb. And they somehow figure out that they can, they can disable because he never takes it off. So the risk is you couldn't get it. You couldn't get it away from him to stop him from disarming or from, from setting off the bomb. So the only thing you could try and do is disable the bomb itself. But if you cut the wires, it apparently detonates. So they come up with this elaborate plan to break into the headmaster's office where the bomb actually is sitting like the, the I guess, the central bomb, which the more I talk about this, the more I'm like, all right, this is falling apart even more. <laughs> um, and they somehow, a, a like 12-year-old kid somehow knows how to remove a microchip, like, like dis- dismantle a component of a bomb, and they take a uh the microchip from the radio controlled airplane out and they swap them and that some, somehow doesn't detonate the bomb but yeah. <laughs> uh allows them to basically take the uh the the remote detonator a- out of play so which i'm like that's kind of i i liked it but then how they pay it off they just don't ever it never it pays off bizarre yeah so uh th- this kid who knows all about this electronic stuff uh they call him yogurt <laughs> during the movie yeah uh, and the reason for that is uh, they were all the actors these um teenage boy actors were riding like in a van together to like a, the set one day uh and he was eating yogurt and they hit a bump and he spilled yogurt on himself so they started calling him <laughs> yogurt in real life and it carried into the movie and i was like like, I, I, I like nerdy story of like, oh, we're gonna call him yogurt because he spilled the yogurt on himself. I was like, 
I, I like that story, but I also feel bad in hindsight for that kid because that's probably like embarrassing uh, in the moment. And then it's like, okay, well, now it's memorialized forever. <laughs> right. But, and it's also like, it's just so funny because it's like, it's also not that funny of a thing that happened. <laughs> like, uh, no. He spilled some yogurt on himself. And like, it's, and now you're going to like call him that forever. Like, what a bizarre. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. Teenage boy thing. Uh, yeah. but it's also like it's such a drama kid actor teenage boy thing which goes into like like Sean Astin's character trying to be this tough bad kid and you're like well you're sort of a tough bad kid but you're not really <laughs> like no he, he cries a lot when he got whipped <laughs> so um which well, I, I, I well, go ahead good no no so I was gonna say this uh this detonator <laughs> the so-called so, detonator <laughs> yeah so some of the logic that doesn't make sense to me like the more i think about it i start going back and forth that it's so it's really the remote control receiver yeah so this kid's got a remote control airplane and it's what communicates it's like the, from the, the handheld controller yeah. into the airplane itself it's like okay so it's like a radio frequency thing it's like okay so i get that this, he's got this garage door opener bomb detonator on his arm. It's got to have a radio like chip communicator. It seems they really play fast and loose with like, well, yeah, they'd have to be the same. That's how that works. It's like, I think there's more than one <laughs> radio chip design out there. Yeah, it's a it's a they go to a lot of effort to, it's to really make... good. The terrorists shop at the same radio shack that yogurt does. Yeah. Radio shack does seem to be just a convenient answer for a lot of stuff in this. Like where did Billy get a, a, a phone? That's like a workman's phone. So you can actually plug into a, a telephone line. Oh, I got a radio shack. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I thought that phone was going to come back too. Yeah. It, and it never does. I wonder if that's why they had Lou Gossett jr. Makes him destroy it at the beginning. So that it doesn't come back later. Because you're felt, right, that would be too easy. It would be too it, easy to been out. Yeah, it felt there in that scene that he destroys the um, the speaker yeah. device he has so they can all hear it. And like the speakerphone kind of device. But it felt like he never really got the phone itself. So I was like, oh, I think like that might still be working. And he's going to. But then they make a point where they cut the phone lines early on when they take over. And it's. It's like I don't know what's happening. Like, no, it it felt like such a setup for something later with the. It, it did, and again, that was the my frustration with the bomb thing was they make a big deal of like they got to get in there and stop the the, or they've got to dismantle or disable the bomb and the and the and the wireless receiver, and and then the 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 big finale. Uh, it, it gets it's like they set it up. And it's this fun payoff of uh, the Kali of Kali tries to actually detonate it, and instead the they're in they're in the headmaster's office. The airplane that he swapped the chip on just all of a sudden uh, flies up in the air and, and, and starts it takes off, and and so that's kind of like fun. Like okay, cool. You you, you yeah. know the, the kids oh, have won, outsmarted him. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he immediately can just rip the cord out of the bomb and it the detonates and i'm like well that's not good like that's right a shitty, like, <laughs> the, the, how they've orchestrated all this he just has to walk five feet over to the bomb and detonate it yeah <laughs> like he doesn't and, need the remote control thing at all and like <laughs> that was my favorite part was like Lew, lewis gossett jr um spoiler alert he 
he basically follows a, a special forces team into the school who's trying to to uh, stop the terrorists during the raid. And he goes over. He's like, hey, what happens if he pulls the cords out of the bomb? It'll go off. Okay. It's like, then why fucking? By that logic, it was like, well, then he could have gone anywhere in the school and cut the wire of or ripped the cord those. out. Yeah. It was like, so this whole plot of like disabling the the receiver thing didn't really matter. It was just like a... It's almost right, like Sean Astin climbing through ear ducts, getting yeah, to the headmaster's like, office, like doing parkour out of the air duct and back into the bathroom and stuff. It's like, so none of that, none like, of it paid it, off. It paid off for three seconds. Yep. Like, it was like that. It reminds me of that episode of uh, Arrested Development where they're trying to rescue George Sr. And uh, they're, um, they mark like a cooler. And it's like, it's like they mark the cooler that's labeled evidence. He's like, I'm going to mark this cooler evidence. And we're going to use it as a decoy. Or Job says it. And Michael's like, why? He goes, it'll buy us some time. He goes, what's it going to buy you? Like three seconds? And he's like, oh, you're right. I'm a failure. And I'm like, this scene is exactly, <laughs> it's like a movie proxy for that of like, what did it buy you? Well, I bought you three seconds. And then yeah, basically they would have lost if it wasn't for Lou Gossett Jr. Jumping through a window and shooting Kali. <laughs> it's right. crazy. Well, and it- but what's bizarre about it is they orchestrate it where they're back in the headmaster's office. There's a bomb. Like, why not just have him be somewhere else in the school? So it actually I, matters. And I, like, exactly. And then then, he, then there's stakes or like he's then, actually like, lost something. Have him trying to get back to that room, the headmaster's room to blow it up. Or like, I, like just just don't have him use the remote like two feet away from the bomb. I know. I I didn't like that. I, I it, it was almost like they had to be there for the payoff of the airplane thing. And I'm like, well, I'm not sure. It's like, yeah, it's like all these elements combined together to be in this location. And it's like, fuck, we'd have to rewrite so many scenes. Screw it. He's just going to do it in the headmaster's office. <laughs> it, yeah, it's it just a, a lot of choices that felt kind of wasted here, which is which is too bad. Um yeah, it's looking at the writers. the The writer has three writers on it, and it has this guy named William P. Kennedy, which this is his only credit. Um, the director is credited as a writer, and then there's a pretty heavy hitter. And then there's a, a heavy writer. hitter. So I'm I'm wondering if they must have had uh, script script problems, and they kind of brought other people in at the back end to, to punch who, this thing up and, and make it work. Who I was uh, very nervous going into this podcast because I've only ever read his name. I have no idea how to say his last name, but David. Is it Kef? Cope? Cope. Kef? Kef? I have no idea. But wrote uh, the screenplay for Jurassic Park, the first Mission Impossible, uh, the first Panic, um, Panic Room, Wire, Spider, Spider-Man, uh, um, Indiana Jones. <laughs> like, no, he, he's yeah. got he's got some pretty big uh, credentials. Um, but yeah, so I. Oh, you're at the shadow. So this is my guy. Oh, did he? Yeah. <laughs> um, but wrote like, but wrote Panic Room, Carlito's Way. Like it's like, yeah, it's a pretty Snake good. Eyes. Oh man, he wrote Snake Eyes. Uh he also, man. I will also say he has some uh, not great movies on his. He does. Yeah, you're he right. He did the. They wrote the the. T- I, I've in. I don't want to say these are all screenplay problems for him, but uh, it's obviously a massive hollywood writer like the things i'm saying of like oh i don't think that's a good movie are also big giant hollywood movies like the tom cruise the mummy movie or the uh he uh no i'm looking i was, I was looking at he wrote some movie called 
uh, it's a Ricky Gervais movie and it's uh, called Ghost Town. And I was like, I remember this yeah. coming out, but I'm like, he also yeah. directed that. So, oh, wow, uh, really interesting. Yeah. And then he also wrote The Little Engine That Could. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, the, the the very original story of that. Uh, yes. The, wherever, that, uh, wherever that story started. <laughs> I do want to like check it out because the people for the crew, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is on here, Whoopi Goldberg, and then Patrick Warburton. And the train has not Thomas the, cha- the, the train eyes. It has these crazy eyes that are out on the outer stanchions of the... <laughs> um, of the conductor's box and it's just like this oh, weird wow. looking train wow yeah, what, what is this i don't know uh it's 2011 featuring an all-star cast well there's two celebrities in there uh <laughs> <laughs> and this timeless story comes to life i may watch this with win later on just uh <laughs> all right you gotta give us uh give us a report on it uh i will tell you the first <laughs> the first review on letterbox is a one star and the first line says, I'm a parent. And then it says, P.S. This was co-written by David Kep and contains a maximum overdrive reference. <laughs> now I do want to watch this. I'm pretty, I'm pretty pumped to see this. Which the, is... dir- I'm looking at the director. He's got I mean, a long career in animation of uh, a ton of ton of Disney stuff. And that um, worked on some big ones, but director of some you know pretty decent um Kind of smaller Disney ones, but still pretty solid, good stuff. Um, yeah, really interesting. What uh, I, I gotta see whatever this maximum overdrive reference is in the lunch. <laughs> <laughs> is there a sentient sentient train that kills people? <laughs> because that's Ooh. The only thing that could be possible. So, um, well, so what else you wanted? To, I think you had a couple other points you wanted to hit about this. Um, on on uh. The, oh, you know what we did not touch on is the mob subplot. If you want to, you want to hit that real quick. Yeah, I think we we absolutely have to because this. I just want to know at what point did this enter into the script, and at what point were any or like, it feels either something like shoehorned in, to explain it, or a holdover from a previous draft that was like a bigger plot point. Yeah, and then I, they just I think hold on to. So, Will Wheaton's father is the head of the New Jersey Mafia. <laughs> it's Jerry Orbach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they really, and so they really hammer this home that Will Wheaton like hates his dad. Is he, like even a scene where with uh, Jerry Orbach dad, is like. He hates me. My son hates me. And I love like, him. Oh, he's like, he's like, oh no, all teenagers go through that phase. He's like, no, he really, it's not a phase. He really hates me and like what I do and like stand for. And it's just they really hitting home. Like, will we? In is not proud. His dad is the mafia kingpin. Um, it's it's yeah. It's it's a little bit of a hat on a hat with how much they they message it. Uh, it, but but it's all orchestrated to have this death scene for Will Wheaton's character because uh, th- there's like so many little moments they're setting up to accomplish this. So earlier when the, all the boys are talking like how they can fight back against these terrorists, Will Wheaton's like, well, let's lure one of them into the bathroom. There'll be like three of us in there. We'll jump him and we'll get his machine gun. And then all the guys are like reasonably like, okay, then what? <laughs> we have one <laughs> machine gun <laughs> against like 12 arms 
terrorists. Like that's yeah. they've got rocket launchers. They've got like, uh, yeah, it's like we're... <laughs> they okay again. Like that that's a decent plan up to that point. But where are we going after that? Like we need we need an end game for this plan because uh, they correctly predict what's going to happen when you do this. So Will Wheaton's character is about to get set free because his dad has struck a deal uh, through his back channels to the Callie's dad in prison. Uh, and so they're setting him free and Will Wheaton's like, no, I don't want to leave my friends. I don't want to go free. Um, and so Will Wheaton executes his plan, like jumps the guard who's escorting him to the gate, gets his machine gun, runs out of the school on like the front steps of the school is like gonna try to shoot him and <laughs> it, it, it very believable really but it's also pretty humorous unintentionally i laughed and my wife was watching this with me and she's like what is wrong with you and i'm okay. like okay <laughs> so she's a, a a good person <laughs> she it's funny because of like he totally cannot handle a machine gun exactly it's like, shoot it, it, and it like totally like sprays wildly and it's like everything why this was a stupid plan yeah and and immediately, like the guy who's trying to shoot it, just turns and just unloads into his chest and kills it. And it's obviously very like dramatic emotion. All his friends are like watching him die, and it's like the tragic irony of like he was the one who was being set free, and like now he's dead. Uh, and it's just like, but the movie works so hard to orchestrate this scene to happen and like sets you up of like okay he had to be the one who had the plan that he would jump the guard and so you'd like believe him that like he thinks this is a good idea he has to be like this backstory of his dad's in the mafia and can cut a deal with these drug cartel terrorists immediately set free immediately can get that deal done right and it's done in like hours <laughs> yeah. like, like so like the, the they have to contact a, a someone they have in prison <laughs> who can contact them, who then has to be able to contact the dad, who then has to be able to contact the outside world and get a message to his son, who they have this like numeric code that they send out because they know like the, com- the communication is going to be. <laughs> That's a great point. I had no idea. The school that, like, yeah. and apparently they have a secret code they can communicate with. It's set free. Uh, it's, it's just all like so heavily constructed to have this occur. For such and, a little payoff. And right in the payoff being like the emotional pathos of like him dying and now the stakes for his friends. And it's like, it's like we, and it's why like, oh, we went R rated so we could have this emotional moment um, for these kids. And it just, it it works, but you feel the construction behind it so heavily. Um, and then it's also not aged exceptionally well the visuals of a yeah, child in a good. school with a like with a machine gun um, no it's it hasn't i uh i agree with that especially as he's like trying to shoot him and now spraying around wildly and it's like yeah oh where he's really lucky he didn't take out like a couple of his friends and like, i uh i wouldn't call him lucky i would say where everybody else is lucky because uh he yeah, pretty he much eats it right after that it. but yeah my wife got on me for laughing she's like what's wrong with you i'm like it's funny because he comes out and it, it's like immediately how goes wrong. Right. And how yeah, dumb like he, this plan was. And like, yeah. And like, it's he, very sad and tragic, but also like. It, 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 it was funny. And the to fact me, that characters already explained to him why this was a bad idea. Yeah. Well, I, I think what made me laugh or not laugh. Yeah. I laughed. Um, what made me laugh about it was 
he comes out and the way they shoot it, it's it's it, it is literally like he's like almost like, oh, I don't know what the fuck to do with this. <laughs> he yeah, just starts yeah. unloading and it immediately points it at the sky. And and then like because like the kickback of it like knocks yeah, him back and it's like oh my god like and, and so he um he gets, so he he's killed and that and that becomes the the motivating thing for that galvanizes Sean Astin's character uh, Billy at the end uh to <laughs> well and I think it's also funny they don't even give him this goes so poorly they don't even give him like he got one and then. Other guy, other guys take him out. Like that's a good point. He doesn't even like he doesn't even accomplish anything. This was all a waste, which I get makes it more tragic and sadder <laughs> that he's trying to be a hero. And well, just, and like, it's probably but, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if the messaging looks better, or not messaging, but this if it looks better for that character if he has actually killed somebody or or not. I mean that I can see that yeah, I can yeah. see that going both ways. I'm like, oh, it's probably not not great. Right? Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> But, but uh, yeah. no, it, it, I, I didn't. I wasn't laughing at him being killed. It's just like it's some. There was something humorous to me about just like the way they cut and the way it's shot with with um. There's an film. absurdity to the to the yeah, scenes, and to the like, visuals as yeah. well. And it is sad. I think it, I, I did. I did laugh after 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 he he is killed. He's laying there with a machine gun next to him, and none of the other terrorists do anything with a machine gun for like a good thirty seconds. They leave a loaded machine gun just sitting on the steps, and then walk around the kid. I'm like, mm, probably should pick that up. Like that's probably <laughs> a bad idea. Uh, and I, <laughs> I also think you laugh because it's a little bit. You're seeing something mm-hmm. tragic happen. It's like if you don't laugh, you cry. Of like, oh, this kid's gonna die, and like, yeah. <laughs> and you like. Because it's a movie, you can like respond somewhat like with humor as your like defense mechanism, almost in a way of oh, something really bad's about to happen to this kid. Um, and and I think there's like a certain percentage of people whose like brains are wired to find like the absurdity in that, um, and laugh as opposed to take it like I don't know. I think there there is like a certain response to seeing that where like laughter is not like an unhinged sociopath it's yeah no just how I, your brain processes um you don't you don't have to defend me it's okay i okay. I, I mean I, 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 I was listening to our sudden death episode and you did admit to murdering 30 people on that episode so did i <laughs> oh yeah i should go back and watch that or listen to that episode <laughs> edit that out maybe <laughs> yeah let's cut that let's go back and we're gonna have to recut that uh, um, but no so but one other funny thing happens at the end of uh, after from this so they let uh, some paramedics and Lou Gossett Jr. come get the body. And Kali stresses over and over, you have to tell everyone this was an accident. <laughs> he tried, he, 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 like, he, he attacked first one blood. of my men. Because like, yeah. <laughs> uh, he knows, like, when this gets back to the head of the New Jersey mafia, there's going to be repercussions. Oh, yeah, and, he is oh, done. There sure are. <laughs> he is done. What do you think Kali's plan is? Like, He's oh, in the yeah, middle of rural Virginia at a at a um is it Virginia? School. I couldn't figure out what it was supposed to be. That's where they, it was shot. I think I right. think they're West Virginia. And that that boarding school is still there. Um <laughs> it was uh was the boarding school in uh um Major Payne <laughs> as well. Yeah, excellent. Uh but I was like, wow, it didn't uh didn't hurt we talked about in sudden death of the NHL having terrorists come take over th- their games. Like 
I guess it didn't hurt this boarding school at all to have uh, no I, kids die in terrorist takeover, be shot there. Probably supplanted the need for a couple of kids to actually come to school. They could just they could just live off those sweet yeah. uh, sweet uh, Hollywood checks. Uh, but so they show a scene early where they they're crossing the border to drive to this school. So I was trying to figure out where the school is located. Yeah, they're crossing the U.S. Mexico border, right? Like I mean, that, I guess they could drive the... all the way to Virginia, but um. I want to see that. Like, what? What is? What, what are, was their road trip like? Yeah, like with having like nine guys stacked into the back of like a uh, an open back truck with just like a, a tarp over it. Like that. That that's got to be a shitty. No wonder these guys are mad. That's a terrible car trip. Yeah, but <laughs> so, but I, it is a good point. What is the end game for Callie here? You get your dad freed from prison. Okay, you've accomplished that now. So where are you going from here? Like, I guess he's doing the same thing, like taking some of these kids with him. I, I and guess just trying to drive back across the border. Like, I yeah, I, I don't. It's it feels like you're pretty fucked. That like, <laughs> oh, he's fucked. Yeah, but I will say he has the support of <laughs> yeah. uh, Michael Champion, <laughs> who plays the number two. Um, I regrettably cannot remember that character's name. Um, but uh, I can't remember Jack, what like, they never say his name. Jack? His name is Jack Thorpe. I think they Jack. say Jack a bunch. I think they do say Jack a bunch, but okay. Jack Thorpe. He's the only um uh non Latin bad guy, which is like a weird seems like yeah. a choice too. I didn't really understand. Like wh- you never get the backstory. It feel it stands out and feels yeah. like a thing. <laughs> like yeah, but uh, my my it's like favorite i don't know why i just laughed and i i obviously oh, had forgotten I, about it I, but I, yeah. he's negotiating with um the u.s government or Kali's negotiating with the u.s government at one point and uh he's basically saying um I can't what it was it was like a compliance thing of like well because you've done this i'll now yeah. i will now delay an execution by 24 hours but by tomorrow you have to you have to comply or i will start executing hostages <laughs> and then Right, like, like a foot away from him, while the colleagues having a very serious conversation, Michael Champion's just like two thumbs up, like, "Good job, buddy." You do not in his head, like <laughs> it's is hilarious it. looking. <laughs> You're killing it with the negotiations, and it's just like, and, and he's he done right. like the timing of what he does. He says like. And Kali kind of like looks up at him, and he's like, "Thumbs up!" Like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you're nailing it, buddy. You you're got nailing it. it. You're crushing." And yeah, it's is really funny. <laughs> it's just, it's just like a. It felt like he got given some kind of bad direction of like, yeah, like be supportive, but you're also on a conversation. He can't hear the other side of. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I think it's hilarious because it like the insecurity it communicates that he must he must attribute to Kali. Like, like this guy, this guy needs to let me I need to let him know he's he's on it. He's doing, he's doing a, a good, good job. job. He's like, yeah. stay the course, man. You got it. Like it felt like as soon as he hung up, he should have like gone behind him and given him like a back massage. Like, are oh, you doing great, buddy? You're doing great. We're gonna get yeah. through this. It's all gonna be okay. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna see your dad again. I don't know how, but we're gonna figure it out. But it also opens some questions on what their relationship is. Cause it feels like he like works for him. Or like, but he's also sort of like feels like very capable, so almost like a hired mercenary. That's who, what I think it's supposed to be. But it also feels yeah. like, like, also almost feels like they're best friends as well. I mean, they could be. I don't. I don't think. Um, I don't think that uh, Kali's got a lot of friends. 
they they really bonded on that road trip from the the border to Virginia. <laughs> I want to see that movie. I would I would watch that. I would want to see like what's like how did they get there? I like to see the movie where they get into the the Capitol building at the beginning of this in Columbia or where, wherever it was. And yeah, <laughs> that seems like that was probably a pretty good movie. Feels- Which we should also touch on. That also has some insane. This movie doesn't open at like an eleven with yeah. Uh, a woman being thrown out of a window and they just show you her crumpled body on the ground, like bloody body on the ground. And then the next scene is the judge being thrown out of a helicopter. It's just it what, is crazy. What cracked me up in that scene is Kali's like sitting where the judge would normally sit. Uh, and instead of like he's trying to like get attention, so he doesn't use the gavel to hit a thing. He uses a pistol and is like banging the butt of it on it. But doing that, it means like the, like it's pointed back at him while he's like banging this. And I like, I don't know a ton about guns, but that seems like a really dumb idea. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was not a good idea. Not a good idea. <laughs> but, but it's just like messaging, like how like hardcore this guy is. <laughs> Maybe. I, I mean, the whole subplot of this is that Kali's just kind of an idiot. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's great. He's great with plans of like the A and the B, but the final like step C, he just like <laughs> just loses it every time. <laughs> Yeah, he never, he never quite, he never quite gets there with uh, <laughs> sticking the landing for his plans, yeah. <laughs> which is, which is a shame for him. Um, to his, to his men's credit, they, they still follow him no matter what, which I don't think that's a good idea. But <laughs> yeah, they, they, these guys didn't really ask about the, uh, the escape, escape part of the plan at all. <laughs> no, no, but um, yeah. You're right. This does, from something you said earlier, this does feel like there's a lot of loose threads and, and like ideas that were here in this movie that don't ever quite pay off. And it does feel like they kind of got to the end and they're like, we really can't go back and rewrite this because we're going to be starting from square square one on everything. Yeah, we have to, like, making that change at the end just has a domino effect through the script where we, like, can't. Yeah, it's... it's like in Die Hard, like, they rig the roof with C4 to blow up the helicopter so nobody comes to look for him. Yeah, it, it's like, oh, man, like Hans Gruber, like, has a very, like, detailed plan of how this is all going to work and happen. Uh, and not so much Cali. <laughs> like, and I think that's 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 where this feels like this took place over two days, but also feels like it took place over two weeks. Like, you just don't know how long they've occupied it once the plan falls apart. And uh, um, I don't know. Well, I, I, I take it back. Sorry. That part it does feel like um moves pretty quick once once the plan falls apart and the and the father is killed in prison. But up to that, you're like, yeah. I don't know how long this movie took place. And it, and so it's like, are they are they here to occupy permanently this school until they get what they want, or are they gonna I don't know. It's and, it's weird. Right. And it's so and it yeah, there's just so many things. It's like, okay, we want the army to like have to raid this at the end. But we need a reason because that's just like really putting the kids at risk. And it's like, okay, it's because like the mafia killed the dad in jail. So we can justify like, okay, now we're like, we're scared. He's just going to kill everybody because he has no, like his plans falling apart. Um, and it's like, okay, so we need to keep that mafia stuff in here to have all that work out. And yeah, uh, kind of just, yeah. it works out, but it, it also feels so completely unnecessary. Like, I don't know. 
yeah, it just, it just doesn't, I don't know. It, it, it never, it never fully lands. And I, I also don't believe Jerry Orbach is a mafia guy. I, I want to keep coming back to that. He plays a mafia <laughs> really guy. Struggling with that one. <laughs> he plays a mafia guy in FX as well. And I'm um, the same thing. I'm like, I just don't buy it. I'm sorry. He seems like just like a nice old guy. <laughs> no, nah, huge dick. <laughs> However, Jody dancing has told us he's not a nice old guy. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so I did find it funny. The boys doing switch in like the microchip detonator things, and they have this like plan they've come up with on how to do that while like the army's starting their raid, and like the timing of it just all like syncs up perfectly when they've had zero ability to like communicate when to do anything. Um, it's just like all <laughs> very convenient that <laughs> that they managed to switch this micro right microchip at the perfect moment. <laughs> before but as we say that didn't really end up mattering other than it doesn't i mean that i, I guess all it i mean does i guess it did is... he doesn't blow the school up but he doesn't but that's the that's the irony is to your point he knows there's a raid coming and it's it's already there and so instead of actually doing anything about it he just he just hides in his in the office yeah so it's like he could have detonated that tried to detonate it minutes ago but they never yeah. give you that it's just uh it's just it's 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 a fun setup for the kids, but it's not like for the movie. It it's it just doesn't get you any further down the road. Yeah, well, you almost wanted the kids to be the one to like stop them. Yeah, and save the like. Yeah, because I guess like going back to the Die Hard, and I do feel it's, it's. I don't think this movie gets made without Die Hard. So in that sense, I do probably think not. it's a Die Hard clone a little bit. Um, and I, and I do think that's knowingly where they're where they're going with it. Um, particularly, I think being R-rated, um, but it's it's not like at the end of Die Hard, like the SWAT team surges in and and saves things. So it, it kind of it takes, and I, I know I'm kind of playing both sides here in the criticism um, of like, oh, like I don't believe the kid, some kids could do some of these things, but then now I'm kind of saying, oh, I wanted them to stop the terrorists. Um, so I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth there a little bit. Uh, but it is weird to have our shit. have our heroes, our protagonists for the movie, not be the ones who really like save the day. Yeah, but I guess I think... you also didn't want them to start murdering people <laughs> either. No, and I I, I think. <sighs> I, well, I guess you wanted the bomb thing to have worked. To have them defuse the bomb. Yeah, so he hits I, I guess, it and it doesn't work in that. In so that, that Gossett Jr. has to kill him. But the I, way they do it is like it didn't matter that they did it. Like they still needed the help. He still would have detonated it without Lou Gossett Jr. jumping through the window and tackling him. Yeah, I get Yeah, I, I, I agree. I like I like the detonator thing working, but then to immediately get away from it, why not just take take Billy hostage at that point? And then it becomes a I, I agree. I don't I don't I like that they they would win without having to actually kill. I, I don't think it's good. For them yeah, to have like kids switching them, the, switching the switching the chips saved the school, saved all the other kids. But Billy's still and hostage. Billy's and... still at risk, and yeah. like Lugasa Junior has to save him to pay off their storyline of like he's going to be there for Billy to like help him. Ag- agreed. Uh, yeah, I. It just doesn't work, and then it's just a we. You go to Lugasa Junior looks like he got like mortally wounded. <laughs> I, I swear, like, it really looks like it's in the heart where he gets yeah, shot. Like, he, he like say, takes a bullet from Billy, basically, um, trying to save him. 
like but right in the, at the right end, it kind of looks like it's more on the shoulder. But initially, like where the squib goes off, it's like he gets shot in the heart. Like, oh, he's dying. Uh, he is not making it <laughs> yeah. through this. Like, holy shit. Or he at least has like a collapsed lung or I don't know. I, I can you can you have like a light wound by being shot in the chest? Is that possible? <laughs> yeah, I mean I think this was implying it was the, like a shoulder shot or something, but it really looks pretty center chest at it. <laughs> no, when I, it happens. I, um and then you get some bad dialogue between uh, uh, um, Will Wheaton's character, or not Will Wheaton, sorry, uh, Sean Astin's character, Billy, and and uh, Lou Gossett Jr. as the headmaster. Just cheesy, cheesy dialogue. But yeah, it's weird how um, how 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 bad of a shot he takes, <laughs> and that is okay. And he's just, it's fine, it's fine. So uh, one thing we did leave out: uh, Denholm Elliott's in this movie. <laughs> underused probably i yeah i am wondering if he just wasn't up for doing a lot <laughs> i don't feel like there was a lot asked of him he was just look he just sat around a lot yeah uh, and just playing like a the stately old professory type of yeah <laughs> uh if you told me he was the same character as he, he plays in indiana jones um, yeah it's very much in that vein like, yeah. um martin was it martin brody <laughs> Yeah, I I would believe I'm like, yep, that, that's it's the same character, uh, which I always enjoy, enjoy seeing him. And he does a good job and is um, some good scenes with him and Lugosi. And he does like a nice job because um, they kind of are going to execute him at times um, yeah. as like a when they're trying not to kill kids or something or but um, fun. But yeah, it, it almost felt weird at times because you, you associate him so much with the Marcus Brody character to be playing a similar style character, but then not really doing a ton. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it just, it, every scene with him was like, Oh, Denim Elliot. Like, this is fun. <laughs> I, I wish, yeah, I wish they'd done a little bit more with him. It almost felt like um, you couldn't have him have too much of a role and keep the fidelity with Lou Gossett Jr.'s uh, character. Like you kind of needed yeah. just one <laughs> alpha for the school that Billy's going to connect with. And so they, it felt like they downplayed uh, Denholm Elliott's sort of potential role. And it's, it's why a movie like this is such a hard needle to thread. You kind of needed the adult figure who's still on campus with them to not feel very capable of, to feel like this is on the boys to try to do something, to not be like, Oh, well, shouldn't the adults here be doing something like, <laughs> yeah, that's Denholm Elliott does feel pretty helpless in this. Yeah, <laughs> um, which is which is kind of sad, but uh, I, you kind of need that, I guess. They also, I think you touched on it too. There's a whole bunch of like people working at this school that are also <laughs> yeah, hostages yeah, in this. Yeah, yeah as no context as for. punishment, Billy's on like pots and pans duty where he has to clean up um, after after like every dinner, like help wash dishes. Um, but like all the time when you see him in there in the background, like and this is like multiple times after the terrorists have taken over. There's just like a couple cooks in the background. Obviously, they've been like making the meals and everything still for the, the kid. Like, it's like, so what's going on with these people? What are they thinking? Where are they? Where are they the like, entire yeah, time? The movie's happening. <clears throat> and also, there we they execute one teacher in the beginning who tries to help. Yeah, but no other teachers there. Literally, no, like, there's like two teachers. Literally two teachers. The only one who is there. And it's like, shouldn't there be like, I don't know, at least conservatively 10 teachers around? 
Oh, uh, minimum. Yeah, it's weird. It's that 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 it. it yeah, I don't have a good I don't get a good explanation other than it's weird. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it's the weekend and like they went home. Like I don't I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like Denholm Elliott's just like sleeping in his office because he's drunk, not because <laughs> like he actually lives on campus. It's just like he just kind of ends up there. Yeah, yeah, and I don't. I, I I mean, there's some. uh like I don't say it's the weekend. Teachers laughed or like different things. You can definitely get there with it, but it's just uh, it's just kind of kind of funny. No, I I, I agree. And it, 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 again, well, I, I I think to your point, if if you have to, like too many teachers, it takes right. You need them. It, it ta- yeah, yeah, it ta- it takes the authority away, or it takes it gives the kids status. Maybe that's the way to say it, and and they have to do something. And so I think that. It, it's kind of like their call to action because there there are no adults. Um, uh, even though you've got Arlie Ermy on the other side of the fence, who's gonna gonna save him? All right, he, you, uh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I just did. You have uh, much more? No, I was gonna talk about Arlie Ermy, made... but but I'm like, there's nice. no point. I think he's just. Uh, this is like that weird face of Arlie Ermy where I know him between Full Metal Jacket and then the. Uh, <laughs> Saving Silverman, Arlie Ermey. Oh my god! <laughs> like, yeah, I haven't thought about Saving Silverman in forever. <laughs> I love that movie. Well, I, I I thought about it a lot with um. We were talking about White uh White Lotus, and uh, I think oh, it's Steve Zahn's and <laughs> yeah, Steve Zahn's in, in season one. Um, which man, that was weird. I did not ever expect to have to see Steve Zahn's balls. Spoiler alert for season <laughs> one of uh, of White Lotus. Um. <laughs> Uh, could have done without that, but um, yeah, no, I, I thought about. Uh, I always think about Arlie Army in that because he's just such a. It just seems like he's such a straight laced guy, and he plays such a weird character in that. Like, and it's to me, it lands. It's so funny um, that I uh, I love thinking about Arlie Army more as the Saving Silverman Arlie Army than I do like Drill Sergeant Full Metal Jacket. And uh, he's got some crazy jet black he's got some bob dole hair in this like yeah it's funny <laughs> that that was the only thing i think it stood out to me like you don't yeah, need to he, make him look like he's 30 like you can make yeah. him like a more senior it, it actually guy. ages him more yes to do that and like yeah yeah so that was all um, i i had was um uh i enjoyed seeing him in this he's actually subdued compared to what he's in or how he is for a lot of other stuff that was all uh nice so I had one other thing because I can't imagine when we're gonna do another Will Wheaton movie. Um, he hasn't done a ton, right? Like, is he not acting anymore? Um, he does. I know he's gotten into some um, like pop culture kind of stuff. I think he was on Big Bang Theory a little bit um, okay. for stuff, and then I, I, I know he's in some other stuff as well this time because he. I mean, he was he in big. Left, he was in some big movies, but yeah, he left Star Trek because. Um, he was interested in pursuing a movie. He was getting cast in some movies, had some opportunities and it was like, I, I got to take the chance now. Like, I know I'm leaving like a recurring yeah. character on a show. It's like, but like, this is my, this is my chance. Like they are giving are making me offers and I really want to see what can happen with this. Um, So he, <laughs> during his negotiations, with where he was like, yeah, I think I'm going to leave. I'm getting some like movie role offers. It would have been probably shortly after this came out, maybe. Or maybe like right around that time. Um, yeah, I mean, th- and this this 
I don't know. I have to look up the exact timing, but this could have been like something he did because he left Star Trek. Um, but when he was going to leave, they were like trying to convince him to stay. And he, and it was basically, it was kind of like, well, it was like, if you like, I'm getting like movie role offers, I think like for my career, that might be best. It's like, but like, if you want to pay me a lot more, like then, yeah, I could probably justify sticking with, sticking with the series. Yeah. And, and they're like, well, we can't do that. We can't pay you more. But what if we give you a character a promotion? <laughs> he was like, what? Is that so, really yeah, what they like, offered him? Is like, so you could be like a lieutenant on the show. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> why would I care about that? Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I don't blame no, him then. Yeah, no thanks, guys. But I, I will say in the producer's defense, I do think that's something that ma- that started to matter to the original cast. Just because I think Shatner was such a big deal that he was the captain for him and his ego and Leonard Nimoy got like really popular. And I think it was always like a thing with Shatner a little bit of like, but I'm the captain kind of thing. And so I think in some, like the later movies, I know, um, um, Oh, what's his name? He plays Sulu on the show. Uh, George, uh, uh yeah, George, yeah. Um, he negotiated that he, in one of like the later movies, he wanted to have become a captain in the movie and stuff. So like, I think some of the original cast, that stuff did kind of matter too. I think, cause they knew how much it mattered to Shatner. <laughs> and so like, it just became like a, a thing with that group. So I think they were kind of maybe still in the mindset of like, Oh, these actors seem to care about that. Uh, but it's just so hilarious. of like, well, what if we make your character a Lieutenant? It's like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> what if we gave you a theoretical promotion that would actually not yeah. bring you any more money or benefits to 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 uh, who you are as a person. It's like yeah, yeah that's a good it's like, idea. It's especially when it's like instead of paying you more. That's I mean that's kind of insulting actually. It's like it's your like, character like in like you you'll still be playing the same character. You'll get basically the same amount of screen time and that, but we'll call you by a different name. It's like, it's like <laughs> what a fucked up logic of that. It's like, so it's just I always found that story. I, I give somebody credit for having the rocks to actually even go go have that conversation with him. Like that's like. Hey, Will, what if we told you we thought you were a complete idiot? We made you this offer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, How would yeah. you react to that offer? <laughs> so, man, that's uh, that is embarrassing. Yeah, no, I, I feel I, bad I, for him. I don't blame him for leaving if that's like literally how he was being treated. <laughs> under the role. Yeah, no, I think it was just I have like good career opportunities. So, like, pay me more. or I'm going to go take these opportunities that I think are better for my career. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah, I always found that hilarious. Um. Do you want to touch on the casual racism that was thrown at Will Wheaton's character in this too? Holy shit! Yeah, that uh, was weird. And but felt very early '90s accurate. Of yes, it does. Yes, it does. It's uh, he gets called um. Well, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to say it, but it, it's weird. Like where he just called it an Italian ethnic slur. Yeah, it's like, and he's like, and, "Well, I'm allowed to do that." And it's like, and well, this kid's I'm your friend is like, "I could call you. That. I'm your friend. I could call you this." And it's like, I'm like, yeah, that's I, not how this works. No, <laughs> uh, I didn't realize that that character's name was uh, that that does that. His name was Snuffy. I I know. I, I, was, like, I was like, what? They don't ever reference him as that. No, I don't. I. Um, I yeah what a bizarre like yeah i don't know i um but that guy was in a ton of movies in like the 90s yeah he's, he's still working babysitter. a good bit um yeah keith coogan yeah um mostly the don't tell mom the babysitter's dead i watched that a bunch 
that came out the same year as this. And then he was the adventures and babysitting. I remember seeing that on TV a bunch too. So, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So where would you rate this? Because I know it was your first time seeing it. Uh so I'm curious, like what would you where would you put this? Uh so I was curious what our conversation would do for it because there are times where it, it you kind of realize, oh, this did have a lot more flaws than I was even thinking about. <laughs> or there are times where it's like, oh, like, you know, those scenes are really fun. And like now it's been a few days. Man, that has really stuck with me of of how much how much and I, I gave it so my initial ranking was uh three <laughs> was three and a half out of five uh teenage boys in their underwear <laughs> which um which i i don't know if i should have kept that uh that scale for the podcast that seems like no, something we're gonna, i, I mean go on the record yeah probably not gonna come back to that scale but that's okay uh, um and i'm inclined to stick with it even though i do feel it's maybe a bit generous um but there there's some fun stuff in here and I don't think it all works together well but I am pretty on board with like a Goonies diehard mashup that sort of works <laughs> um I'm trying to think my expectations were like will I watch this movie again I don't know I have a hard time right now thinking I'm just going to sit down and watch it just because when you say when I'm doing it, it's like Goonies Die Hard mashup, it's like, well, I'd probably then just watch Die Hard or one of the other Die Hard ripoffs I think I like a little more. Or if I'm looking more in like the Goonies mode, there's plenty of like, I don't know, Goonies, Monster Squad type movies of like kids on an adventure uh, on their own type movies um, that I might gravitate towards. But I don't know. I don't know. That'd be interesting to see with this with time because there are. <laughs> Being R-rated, there are some things that are unique to this movie. Um, and like you said, the second the second half is pretty entertaining. Um, I could easily see if I catch it where the terrorists have already come in and taken over of following it uh following it through to the end there. Um so yeah, I'll, I'll stick with the three and a half for now. How about you? Uh I will give it I will also give it three and a half. Um microchips out of five <laughs> <laughs> um i liked it i liked the the second half again a lot better um than I, re I remembered i think to your point i don't feel like it's something i don't one it's just not ever really available i had to rent it on amazon this is probably uh, one of the few movies we're gonna watch where you just didn't already have this is like either a dvd a vhs yeah. <laughs> or like some other uh, uh, I, I watched it on crackle <laughs> uh, excellent <laughs> <laughs> so I, so i had commercials with mine so really replicated that uh 90s cable experience <laughs> that's true good point that's a good point but uh I, yeah i don't it's not something i feel like i'm gonna come back to very often i it, it's i enjoyed it um it's it definitely feels like when i when you when you lay out the action movies around this time and what came before it this is one of those movies that's right on that tipping point of when action movies started kind of sliding into, all right, they're just not good. Like they're just not fun. Oh, like we've used a lot of ideas and now yeah. we're really like going high concept of what else can we do? <laughs> yeah. And this, this feels like it's trying to mix Die Hard. It feels like it's trying it's like, to mix it's uh, like Die Hard at a boarding school. All right, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, or like even like, what if we made the great escape, but there's no Nazis and everybody's just kids. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Let's, 
let's piece that together real quick. Um, <laughs> Actually, I kind of wish I, I think that would have been a better if they leaned into that more to make each kid character a little more unique, unique in a, in a, in a skill set that would be helpful for now. That sounds like it could be pretty cheesy. Um, well, but, but I mean, but play that, to the audience. Die to your point. Go don't, great don't, escape because yeah, yeah. Don't make it R. Just don't. Yeah, like you said, yeah. you know, don't. And then just, that works. Yeah. yeah, I think I think sounds it like works. we need to. Sounds like we need to write that movie. We should write it. Um, and uh, well, and I, you are right though because they have some some characters where like Hank and Ricardo don't really do much. They're just kind of hanging around in the background. Yeah. And I'm like, well, if you kind of gave them some traits or skill sets to to do stuff, I'm like, you could probably, to your point, you could probably pretty easily flesh this out um yeah that and maybe that's some of the a lot of it is at times these kid other kids standing around while sean astin does stuff it's that like all of the all of the stuff in the dorm room is just sean astin talking at people like give these other kids a little more agency and more so i guess when one of them tries to do it they die so (laughs) (laughs) well i mean like you can give them agency like to your point like okay maybe one kid like Will Wheaton's the only other character that has agency because he's a good artist. And so he's like drawing and he has all these sketches yeah. and that's how he put this information together for the, Although, for uh, the military. Snuffy Snuffy does the uh trick, trick with the um oh yeah, he acts out that yeah. So and he does doesn't he the one who does the uh cigarette in the matchbook? Yeah, but I mean like even So he's like he's yeah. actually helping create a diversion and the other yeah. like, they just have a bunch of people on lookout though. I think it's the, <laughs> it's the problem at times. It feels like there's like two extra characters, which rounds out their friend group a bit, but you wanted a little more for those yeah, for those They could have just done they could have used him better, I think. Yeah. To your to your point. Everything's on Sean Aston and it so it's never it kind of feels like the movie couldn't really decide if it wanted to be a Sean Aston vehicle or if it was like a gonna be its own like uh cat like a like a bigger cast yeah yeah that, that, that yeah, it's so you see like maybe some of the diehard roots of giving sean aston everything to do yeah and then maybe during the process of being like oh this is more like an ensemble yeah i think i think an ensemble would have would have been better if, in than, that uh, yeah lean more into that than the yeah 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 uh, but no yeah. i had fun i had fun with it i struggled at three and a half so i think that's what i gave air force one and on the surface, I feel Air Force One is a better movie, but I kind of maybe had more fun watching this one despite all its flaws. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's how I feel too. I, I I like this over Air Force One because it was more enjoyable to watch. Air Force One to me was it's very earnest. <laughs> yeah, and it's like there's no fun in it, and at least the, this has some humor and it has some light lightheartedness at certain parts. Um, Air Force One is just kind of a slog. Yeah, I, I could I could fully see someone being out there being like, you guys are fucking morons saying like the Air Force One is a vastly superior movie to this. Like, I love that movie or something like and I, I would not say that person's wrong. Um, Just my experience watching both of them was, uh, yeah, Air Force that, One just kind of. Yeah. Do you think that person out there is named Wolfgang Peterson by chance? <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I felt the same. And I, I watched this with my wife and um, it's. Air Force One's just too serious. It's just like you said, it's just earnest and it's just too serious. And it's too um I don't I don't like movies where um they portray the the, the hero like Harrison Ford's character is just the best, most upstanding yeah. uh, uh human being you could ever you could ever have. It's just like, okay, it's like I got it. Like he's he's a good guy. We don't you don't need to layered on 
you know, I I want to say it's uh, it's too good for my tastes. I, yeah. I need in my action movies, I need a little like unintentional comedy. And there's not other than like how serious they're all taking this. Um, but they're all like pretty great actors. So they never really devolve into comedy <laughs> of yeah. they can all they can all handle what they're being given. Um so I guess that's it's just a personal taste thing of <laughs> I uh what I love about these movies is when it goes, it, it gets a little funny um, intentionally and unintentionally. Uh, agreed. I, I'm, I'm definitely, I will unironically watch a canon movie just to enjoy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As yeah, we've established. Um, yeah, I put this probably behind, uh, because what have we done so far? We've done Sudden Death, Executive Decision, Air Force One, and this. This one, yeah. I would probably put this third behind sudden death and executive decision ahead of air force one i'm probably in the same place i I, for some reason thinking about this i was like not just my experience with it reminded me a lot of executive decision like they feel very similar levels of movie (laughs) like fair uh and, and it's it's a weird i can't quite articulate what i mean by that um but they, they, I don't know. They were like kind of fun in similar emotional ways for me and, and not necessarily like plot or anything filmmaking wise, but no fair. Yeah. I, I think that that's where I just don't feel any connection to air force one. Like this felt more similar know. to executive decision than executive decision and air force one feel similar to me, e- even yeah. though they're both on planes doing die hard. Well, yeah, I, I uh, it's just, yeah, yeah. Air, Air Force One's just boring to me. I know it sounds bad, but um, sorry, sorry, Harrison Ford. It's big Hollywood movie making. Yeah, and for better or worse, and yes. uh, it, it just it, depends where you and it what takes itself too seriously the entire time out of that. And I think there's like an obvious, obviously there's an audience for it, and I think still is um for that would, but yeah I, it just didn't i, I, I would be, i really would gladly yeah i would gladly take air force one today i do think it's better than a lot of the other movies that are coming out <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah. what's and I'll, and I'll always do a harrison ford <laughs> yeah I'm, well let's see we'll see this summer how we feel about that um yeah you know hey i'd rather not, i'd rather even if it's terrible i'd rather get another indie movie than not get it <laughs> fair i have not watched any of the trailers for it part of me almost wants to just stay downstream of it like i've seen a little bit i mean i don't have high hopes just because like i I want like i want raiders of the lost ark and like i think everyone wants to make raiders of the lost ark when they set out to make a movie and like that very rarely happens because that's like that's impossible to expect um so i assume it's going to be like a little disappointing at the very least um but you know there's always you know I mean, if if they don't try, then you can no, never get anything. So uh, agreed. Yeah, I'd rather they curious. take a shot at it. But yeah, it's it's a he's pretty damn old for playing this character. So no, he's I'm like my little, dad's age. He's like eighty. He's like yeah. I'm a little curious how. Uh, yeah, that that's the only thing that worries me is like you're not gonna get feel uh, a pretty big obstacle to overcome. <laughs> a little. I know. I think there's some uh, a rumor that they've they're using like a digital aging techniques to basically bring like young Harrison Ford into modern movie kind of thing. So I'm I'm curious if that works or not. I've seen it kind of go two ways. It's usually either really good or really bad. It's never like, that was okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Curious to see how that goes. Um, 
So what are we doing next? So um, we've done Die Hard on a plane twice. We've done Die Hard on a boarding sc- at a boarding school, and now we've done Die Hard, uh, or and we've done Die Hard at a hockey game. <laughs> yeah. um, which hey, disappointing. No, uh, no sports throughput in this. That was the one thing I noticed. Oh, well, they are dressed up as a soccer team in that, uh, that opening scene when they're running through the school. All right, I'll give you that. So you know, I mean, it has a stretch, but yeah, yeah. But there's no like. <laughs> Um, so, but next, uh, cause your choice, right? Oh, it goddamn well is. <laughs> and we are going die hard on a submarine <laughs> or I guess a battleship, not a submarine. Sorry. Oh, I was like, what? I, was like, what movie <laughs> yeah, I really, I really blew that. <laughs> I was like, really blew the landing like, on that one. <laughs> I was like, so we're either watching DOS boot, DOS boot or U571. I'm like, I'm not sure. Uh, no, we're doing Under Siege. Oh, hell I, yeah. I, 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 got a, I got too clever for my own good. I'm, oh, I'm I really... forgot we talked about who's better at uh, Kitchen I, I tar- That was a real Cali moment for me <laughs> on that one. <laughs> Couldn't, could not stick the landing. Said it without actually thinking my plan through. Yeah, no, I, I forgot. Um, we talked about the whole idea of uh, who who is a better cook, um, Sean Astin or uh, Casey Ryback. <laughs> so I guess next week we're going to find out. I, I'm pretty excited uh, to watch that one. I've actually not seen this one in a little in a little while for whatever reason. Uh, so I'm. Uh, but, you I don't mean, have I've, to defend I've, yourself on that. I mean, it's it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a perfectly legitimate way to live your life. No, but I, I mean, I've seen it a ton. Um, and definitely love it. And oddly, um, although well, not oddly, I've seen Under Siege two. I think many more times because that <laughs> because that played on HBO like constantly for like a six month stretch when I would just turn on HBO and watch whatever was on it. <laughs> so. <laughs> at some point we need to uh we need to hit that too i'm uh i'm pretty excited to to, to watch this because it's i i forgot I've, i haven't seen it in a while either but i was looking at the cast the cast is yeah it's pretty it's good shockingly good like I, I i always forget that about it too just because you you're thinking like oh like another like steven seagal movie but you're forgetting like this was this was when this is the movie that they I think were solidified like, him strangely like well it's when his movies kept being financially successful so hollywood was like all right we like making money like (laughs) that's that's um but it's also one of this he he has not aged well (laughs) that's the problem (laughs) in in many ways and 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 almost all the ways actually (laughs) so um (laughs) i i can't think of a a more insulting thing to say about somebody of they have not aged well in all the ways. Yeah, it, well, <laughs> just, it's just of what that implies about them as just like a person. Yeah, everything has been problematic. Um, yeah, about Seagal, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited to talk about this one and uh, um, uh, talk. Well, just talk about him because I think that's going to be, uh, for better or worse, it's going to yeah. be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to need to do some research to get uh, <laughs> some and then, good stories on him. And then uh, it's got, I mean, I just forgot the cast is so good. It's got Seagal, who's probably the weakest actor in the movie, Tommy <laughs> Lee Jones, Gary Busey, Cole Meany. And then uh, there's a bunch of that, those guys, or that, that yeah. guy. And then I think the guy who played, um, oh God, what is his name? He plays Ken in Street Fighters in this too. <laughs> wow. Okay. I, I, he's got like a small role, but um, yeah. So I'm excited for that. Nice. Excellent. Yeah, no, right. no, it's a, it's one I've really been looking forward to. Uh, 
for this one. Yeah, <laughs> for this run. <laughs> Excellent. All right, well, then I will catch you next week, my friend. You're goddamn right you will. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs>